I had the nicest starter I ever had in my life last night. That was very simple. Now it was very simple. It was just a smoked mozzarella with andouille sausage, melted andouille sausage, a few different herbs, tomatoes, with a nice sourdough bread, rocket balsamic, and you just it was all melted to bits. You just dipped the bread in. I, I'm not mad at cheese. It was the nicest thing I've ever eaten, ever. Oh, at the fantastic. Book. Right. fantastic. I'll make it. I'll make it yeah, one day. Nice bottle of vino to go with it, did you? You better believe it, Skip. Hi and welcome to another episode of the PS Football Podcast. There's a hell of a lot to talk about this week, so let's just get on with it. My name's Sam Steen, and as usual, I'm joined by Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Scott Bowman's there. Hi, boys. Uh, we've got Danny Ward. Hi, Danny. Scott sounds a bit depressed, doesn't he? <laughs> a little bit. And uh, making your welcome return, it's Carl William. Hi, Carl. What a great week here, Tottenham supporter. We're West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Seeing as we're mentioning it, let's start with West Ham and Scott. Well, where do we start? Uh, we could talk about the loss to Liverpool, but obviously the big news is Bilic is gone and Moyes, Moyes of all people, has been brought in to replace him. And actually, we have a, a question in from uh, North Bank Upper. It says, with Mr Moyes installed as the new manager, how many points does everybody think that uh, West Ham will finish below second bottom this season? So, how fucked are you? Very, very fucked. No, no, let me, let me just say this. I'm going to start the pod by saying welcome to Mr. David Moyes. I don't think any West Ham fans got anything against him. It's not his fault. Not he's yet, boring. He's got no personality um, and he's probably going to take us down. And um, most of us mentally are getting prepared for the championship. We can thank Mr. David Sullivan, Mr. David Gold and Tits McGee, Karen Brady for, for taking us there. They did promise the next level. They didn't say the next level was up. So the championship, it could be. So they can all fuck off for as far as I'm concerned. I, I hate the three of them. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely hate them. Slavin Bilic, for all his faults, and he had many of them, which I, I've, I covered loads of times, he did leave with integrity. He always tried his best. He just wasn't good enough. But the the um, the, the ball can, I'll tell you what we'll do there, guys. What we'll do is we'll sack him off, we'll get rid of him, and we'll we'll inspire the supporters. And uh, we'll get Davey Moyes in, because Moyes is free, and nobody else wants the fucking job. With that, they've gone, Moisey, I need you to inspire the players after that 4-1 absolute thrashing by Liverpool. I need you to inspire those players. Can you do it? Aye. Probably was his response. After probably the, I think it is actually the second worst um, Premier League team with Sunderland, uh, second only to the Derby season when they got relegated. Um, it's embarrassing that we've got someone with no pedigree anymore who is living off his past as Everton boss. And again, it's not his fault he's taken the job. It's the fact that he's been put in that position in the first place. Uh, and West Ham are a fucking merry-go-round where I honestly believe that we'll be swapping places with probably Aston Villa or Leeds United and turning into one of those clubs as we go into the lower divisions. And the worst point of it all is we'll be at a 57-seater stadium that we don't own uh, playing football in a lower division. And I've even got a conspiracy theory for you guys, if you want to hear it. Yeah, always. The conspiracy theory is this. The LLDC, who own the Olympic Stadium, are hemorrhaging money. So it's costing the taxpayer money at the same time. If we get relegated, then that causes bigger problems for the LLDC. who are close to bankruptcy, I think, at one point, or might still be, if not for another government bailout. Um, the Spivs and Tits McGee are probably looking at it as an opportunity to get this stadium on the cheap. And then what they can do is they can sell up at some point, which is both good and bad. Now, it's only a, my conspiracy theory. I'm the only person, to my knowledge, who've come out with this. But... <laughs> Knowing what they're like, it would I wouldn't put it past them. They are lying, cheating, no good, spiv fucks, and I can't wait for them to get out of the club. David Moyes, you poor sod, you're going to come into a powder keg, and if you don't get off to a good start at Watford, the rest of your tenure is going to be you getting dogs abused from the stands. Scott, what's your view, though, on the fact as well that they've only given him six months? Because that doesn't lead you to believe they've got that much confidence in him. Why not just take a bit longer and name a manager that your view is, this is our bloke who we believe the next five, ten years of West Ham is safe in this bloke. What they're, doing is, what they're doing is they wanted a yes man. They've probably got a yes man. Someone who will do as they say. We know 
David Sullivan likes to meddle in team affairs. The worst part about David Sullivan uh, and, uh, and David Gold is their public persona where they talk about things openly where they shouldn't. We've got a guy called ex-West Ham employee who claims he hasn't got a direct link to the board, but he is. It, it, things are released via him. The papers use his comments now because whenever he says something is going to happen or we're after a player or a manager's coming in, David Moyes was announced by this guy two or three days ago because they link information. And the other things that we're they they show they haven't got confidence in managers with the the, the Allardyce debacle, the Zola debacle, the Avran Grant debacle, and now with David Moyes, we they're already throwing him in front of the bus because they're setting him up to fail. The six month contract says it all. You bang on with the money with that, and um, for for me, it just leads to to one thing, and that's relegation. And and everyone's feeling that. I think I don't think anyone's confident that we've got the ability to survive. Yet we've got a cracking squad, in my opinion. You really think, uh, Scotty, that you, that West Ham will go down? I know, I know you've said it. You've been saying it for quite a while now on the pod. But do you actually think a squad of players that it's not a bad squad of players at all, and the money you spent, you spent a decent chunk of money in the summer, and you spent twenty five million on Arnautovic, you brought in some serial winners like Zabaleta and Hart. Do you think maybe that? there to blame more so than the player or than the than the manager i know the book always stops with the manager but do you not think that they've enough about them to be able to just turn it around and stay up well we've got a bit of a problem the first thing is their net spend's really low um so yes we've brought in record signings but they, they still haven't invested heavily so there's that point uh, and they had, they had money to spend and a lot of money to make sure that squad was sort of foolproof the, the second point is they've just brought in a manager who's already fallen out with one of the players, or one of our star players, Javier uh, Hernandez, in the past. Uh, and that's why he ended up at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, this is the same manager who also told, and this has come from you, I remember you telling me this midweek, Pete, about him showing Nemanja Vidic and uh, Rio Ferdinand videos of how to defend with Phil Jagielka, which is embarrassing. Um, but you did say the buck stops when the manager. Yes, it does, but only because the board don't take the stick. They don't pick the, the squad. But the truth is, there's lots of meddling affairs. Um, they didn't give Billich any sign of confidence. And as a result, um, we went on a continued losing streak or poor performances. He's gone and we find ourselves going down. And yes, I genuinely believe that we're going to get relegated. I was being jovial about that. Uh, a couple of pods ago, but, but from my perspective, uh, this is another uh, year where we're facing oblivion. For me, the problem with West Ham, it's not it's not pers- personnel or it's not it's not people. It's structure and it's the stadium. Like Billets led you to your highest uh, was it your highest finish in the Premier League? Yep, uh, since, a couple of years back. In, in, yeah, since uh, know, since Glen Roder. Yeah, Glen Roder in two thousand and one. Okay, so. Some of the games you had, remember beating United in one of the last games there, it was a fortress, you know, and the stadium makes such a difference. And you're now playing in an athletic stadium where, you know, even people, even when your people are abusing you, you can't hear them, you know. And I just think it has made such a fucking difference. I just, I just, I just think it's made such a difference to the team because it was a tight pitch. The handballing ground was, it was, it was a ground. I never fancied as a Liverpool uh, fan. I never fancied Liverpool going there, but I fancied us. La- I fancied us last year at the end of the season, and I really fancied us to do this there uh, on Saturday evening. So, do you not think the stadium has a massive impact on the players? Yeah, 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 on, yeah. on everything. I used to love where I was sat at uh, or stood uh, uh, Upton Park, and West Ham fans know the area. Chaff Corner. It's called Chaff Corner, I suppose, because where all the ruffians would stand and sing. But you'd get the opposition players as well as your own running up and down a touchline, and they'd get a lot of playful banter. But sometimes when you're a player, re- West Ham fans really didn't like. They'd get absolute dog's abuse. I remember the uh, one 0 win against Spurs, the the last. London Derby against Spurs at um, the bowling ground. Deli Ali was warming up and the bloke was coming in for some pelters. And I don't know if that shook his confidence, but I think when he came on, he was crap and Spurs lost that and they didn't take, they didn't do anything in the league from that point. That's where they it lost that title. Massively. Makes massively. Yeah. massively. And, uh, you know, what about Pai as well though, Scott? Once you sold massive, him and you never really brought yeah. a real replacement. Pai, they couldn't really do much there, though. He wanted out, you know. He, he really wanted yeah, but it's out. It's the start of the crumble, isn't it? Because he could see he wasn't no. going to be, he wasn't going to have a team built around him of the quality that they Golden that had probably promised him. 
the tail end of the last year at the bowling ground, we lost to Swansea 4-1 before the Man United game. And then our last game of that season was Stoke. I think we lost 2-1. Now, then we go into the London Stadium. The cracks were already starting to appear, but we didn't realise at that point. As we move out to the London Stadium, we get off to, I think it was a 1-0 win against Bournemouth. And then we had some disastrous spells there. We were losing games. I remember the 4-2 against Watford. We were 2-0 up. And we had, that's when the, with the famous Pyatt Rabona. But he was already kicking off behind the scenes at this point and ha- probably had been for a while, um, had delusions of grandeur. The bloke can't even get in the France squad now. Was was it not the fact that he was probably saying, as it reminds me of the time when Spurs had Klinsman, you've got a real player there that you can go, right, if you build a team around me, we could be successful. Was he not basically just saying, I'm here and I'm doing what I'm doing for you guys and you've promised that you're going to build this team but you're not going to build this team. You're not buying the players that you need to supplement my qualities. So the now I'm off the because you're not, going to, you're not following through. Yeah, but he went to he went to Marseille, lads. It's not like he went to a to top Barcelona. Club yeah, went to a big club and thing. He went to Marseille, so it didn't say too much about his his ambition anyway. Well, it's like not he that. went back to Marseille when PSG and Monaco were already streets ahead of him. So it's not like he was saying, yeah, I know what you're saying, Carl, but it's not like do. Was he there going, no, I'm not going to win things here? Because he's not going to win it with Marseille either, you know? No, I think he, he's just, he just wanted to be at that point. Didn't yeah, yeah. Well, look, 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 you lose your best look, player. You need the to rumor mill, with better players. The rumour mill at the time, and I don't know how true it is, and it is just as far as you could pinch of salt, was that he'd been um, having it away with a couple of young ladies in the city of London, and his wife had caught wind of that and took their, their son back to Marseille. And uh, as a result, he wanted to, he, he kicked off to get out of the club. Again, that's all alleged, and I've got no basis of, of fact with that. But, you know, <laughs> he's an odious little scumbag of a man anyway. And uh, he's proved that with his interviews post leaving West Ham when he said uh, he can be an arsehole and he'll do that so he can move. And he did it to Lille to get to Marseille, and he did it to Marseille to get to West Ham. And then he does it to West Ham to go back to Marseille. So, I mean, anything's possible as far as Pyatt. But going back to your original point, yes, the decline of West Ham coincided with the, the desire of Pyatt to play in the famous Claret and Blue. You see what Danny was saying, can't, will they go down? I'm not a West Ham fan, obviously, but I would have kind of thought up until... Up until today, basically, or yesterday, that they might struggle, but they're, they're too good a squad to go down, I would have said. But you look at it now, and they're very low on confidence. I, I know, Bill, it's everyone's, you know, by all accounts, that West Ham haven't looked fit this season. Do you see the state of them trying to chase back for a couple of yep. Liverpool goals the other day? And they've got such an in, uninspiring manager in, like the report you hear out of Sunderland about what he was doing last season, you know, just really old-fashioned, like his stint in Spain obviously didn't teach him anything. He's just practicing crossing all day, boring drills, repetitive Sunder- drills. Sunderland's a, po- Sunderland's a poison club, though. Yeah, that's no, fair, no, fair enough. No one could have gone in look, at the, look at his signings as well. All he did was sign ex-Everton players, so it's like, like he's not even putting any thought into it anymore, you know what I mean? And I can't see him going in there with his reputation even. Like, people read things, but I'm going to think it's going to be very hard for him to go in there and to lift them players. And as well with Hernandez, I know Hernandez looks great in paper, Mexico's best goal scorer, and it was actually Van Gaal who sold him, Scott. But I think... Hernandez, like I, I loved him as a Man United fan because he was great coming off the bench and he was like he's a good personality and all. But if you watch Hernandez closely, he's he's a really really poor footballer. He's a brilliant striker, pre, uh, penalty box predator. There's not many better. But just in terms of footballing, touch, passing, dribbling, he's shocking really. And his best role is is as a sub. When you play him from the start, saw him against Liverpool the other day, things are bouncing off from all over the place. He's not actually that good. And if you are, you're obviously, you've obviously signed him, so you're going, to have to, you're going to start him with a player of his profile. But if he's going to stay in that team, you need to start playing to his strengths instead of That's pushing the point. him out onto the That's wings it. and That's just it. launching it up to Andy Carroll all the time. But I don't mean to piss on your chips, but seriously, Hernandez is... Is that his best role as a sub? It's not as a starting striker. Right, that's probably enough from West Ham, and I'm sure we'll be coming back to talk about them again in the future. Uh, Danny, do you want a quick word on Liverpool very quickly? Yeah, Liverpool uh, looked like they were back in their stride for me. They just went a very poor side they were playing against a, a side, but I think the 
the least uh, the least uh, amount of uh, kilometers covered over the season, second least amount of sprints done over the season. And when you're playing against a team like Liverpool, when they're on form and they're firing and who like to do a lot of shuttle runs and try and close you down very quickly, uh, it was going, always going to be a tough day for West Ham. And uh, Liverpool were back to their kind of counter, counter-attacking and counter-pressing. Not best, but the addition of um, Mane back into the side, Liverpool look a different beast when they have their front three up top. When Liverpool have Salah, Mane and Firmino and they're in tune together, Liverpool look like a different team altogether. Um, Mo Salah has just is just... He's just turned out to be an inspired signing. For a player that's kind of maybe a, a winger or one of the front three, but, but also does a lot of tracking back and does a, seems to have a lot of energy. He's already got 12 goals in, uh, in 17 starts. I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish the season with 25, 30 goals in all competitions. Imagine if he could finish, Danny. Yeah, well, he's finishing. He finished his two chances pretty well the other day. He, I he know, does, I know. Yeah. yeah, no, he does miss. He does miss a lot of chances. But he, Jesus, for a man again that plays out wide, he he loves a run. If you watch him and Coutinho, let's say, he loves to bend a run into the penalty box. So he starts out as playing like a winger, and he can play like a winger. He's not going to beat you with loads of trickery and you know doing nutmeg and flick it over your head and all that. He's just a direct, direct footballer and. The way Liverpool cut West Ham open for the first, you knew once Salah got the ball, and they were granted they were against a couple of defenders, but you knew they were at least going to get a shot away and a one-on-one shot, and it just looked all so simple. So things are starting to look a little bit better for Liverpool. When you take into account they're still missing behind those three, who, who I think are frightening when, when everyone's fit and firing. Taking into account you're missing the two most creative players in our team, in Lallana and Coutinho at the moment. Liverpool look like they're in a, a good vein of form, but the last time they they were in a good vein of form was against Arsenal and made an international break that disrupted that. So hopefully everyone gets back from um, international duty uh, with a full bill of health. And January's not too far away. I'm just nearly kind of waiting just to keep in touch and, you know, with the rest of the top four. For me, the uh, the title is all but done and dusted already. I thought that before this weekend and... I stick by it. I think uh, Man City are just playing on a slightly different uh, level to anyone else. But I think everywhere else is up for grabs. The the, the pack between between Arsenal and uh, United in second is four points. That's not absolutely nothing. The team like Man United were were kind of the team, the only team that are going to challenge City. I think everyone's kind of started to reevaluate that. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But uh, yeah, it's it's up for grabs. The top four is up for grabs, and it's going to be a serious battle. I think. Because you've got six very good teams in the Premiership. It's like no other league in Europe. From Arsenal, as I said, to United. And you've Chelsea, Tottenham and Liverpool sandwiched in between. There's a serious fight to get top four. And a couple of big teams and, and good sides are going to miss out this year. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, yeah, things are looking a little bit better for Liverpool. And Klopp seemed to tweak it a little bit. But he said he tweaked it a little bit. It didn't look like it with his formation. He said he wanted to give... Um, the back four a little bit more protection. It didn't really look like it when you saw the personnel in there, but um, it did work. And West Ham had their little ten minutes, and it doesn't matter who you play in the Premiership. Someone's always going to have their little ten minutes. But I think what killed the game off was um, the Ox's uh, first league goal for us, just coming so soon after West Ham got their got their backs up. You know what I mean? Liverpool just killed us. They killed the stadium. They killed the fans. They just killed, I'm sure, any kind of hope and aspirations that um that West Ham players had. Job. And they killed his job. You could see uh, Billich actually when he walked off. He kind of shrugged his shoulders and smiled. And he was kind of going, like, geez, there was nothing we could do about it. You know, like, there was nothing we could do. Like, there was plenty they could have done about it. I, I, know, but, I know, but Liverpool were on a different planet to them, though. You know, like, in, in terms of real football ability I think if you know your football they couldn't co- they couldn't deal with Liverpool and if it had gone on another 10 or 15 minutes there would have been another couple of goals in it for, uh, for Liverpool they just didn't seem to understand that how, how dangerous Liverpool were going to be on the break and they just repeatedly let let those mistakes happen and um, you can't do that at this sort of level you know so I think that was uh, it was the straw that broke the camel's back but it's been in the post for Billich you know yourself 
Uh, nice quick word there, Johnny. Thanks. Uh, let's, chat. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's chat about United and Chelsea then. And, uh, well, Chelsea came out on top. What does that mean for the top four? And uh, well, maybe we can talk about the goal as well, Peter, because that was a peach of a header. Yeah, listen, I, I'm Chelsea were just the better team. They were better in defence. They dominated the midfield, and they were they were better. Um, they were better going forward as well. And like you said, that was just an absolutely. Sublime header by uh, by Murata, who I thought was really good all day. He kind of stumbled when he had a couple of chances laid on, but I think he was just tired. Yeah, I was sticking up for Lukaku a lot um, over the last couple of weeks, but it didn't look good when you were comparing the two of them the other day, just in terms of touch, movement, hunger to be involved in the game. Stamford Bridge, I, I it's probably my least favourite uh, stadium as a Man United fan. That's that's now sixteen in the last sixteen years, United have only won once there. So I wasn't even confident before it. It was actually a little bit more entertaining, the game, than I think most of us uh, thought it would be. I think we all thought Jose would park the bus. And Conte is a counter-attacking manager himself, really. So we kind of thought it would be, you know, nil-nil or one-nil. But it was actually a, a fairly um, entertaining game. I know Mourinho said after he thought they deserved a point, but he must have been watching a different game because... Even as biased as I am, I, like if Chelsea had won that two or three nil, I, I don't think there there could have been too many complaints. I'm not too upset with the game plan. I just think, like, there's no denying Mourinho's record over the last ten or eleven games against the top six is atrocious. Like, but you know, it's only three seasons ago, or in his first first stint in England, going to be other top well it was probably only top four then um not top six but he he was going there and he was winning one and two nil all the time we used to call them jose Mourinho masterclasses and it's a long time since we said that but i think what you really need when you want, when, want to do that is you need really top quality efficient um attacking players who make the best of the little breaks that they get and united were just poor the other day mick Latarian, um, his form is completely nosedived. Um, I'm surprised he's still even in the team. I think that's just because Mourinho doesn't really trust Mata. Um, he's five assists for the season, but he has none since the third game. He's not creating chances, can't pass the ball to his teammates. Um, and I don't think, having looked into his record at, at Dortmund and all, supposedly that one really good season he had at Dortmund, they kind of made everything perfect for him and he's not going to get modelly coddled like that at United I don't think so I just don't think he's mentally strong enough he was like a lost puppy coming off Rashford missed that header at the start and then you know when you are you're kind of under the cosh they got eight corners and I think Rashford hit the first man with seven of them that's just that's just not good enough you know um, maybe he was closing like, his eyes again yeah, no, well, from the yeah, maybe, maybe. You know what um, I mean? Yeah, no, and if that, if that had been uh, Marshall, you know, he would have had a bad attitude. But um, I think Gary Neville did slide him for that, to be fair, though. Um, uh, he deserved it as well. He fucking bottled us. He yeah, absolutely yeah. bottled us. All he had to do was touch it. It was in, you know, knock it back across the keeper. Um, uh, Lukaku was there. He could, have just, he could have just squared it too. He could have knocked it into Lukaku as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, he obviously wasn't aware of what he's doing because he had his fucking eyes closed. But, well, it's um, tough. Blind football, it's is a lot tougher than uh, football <laughs> with, with full sight. But, uh, no, like, honestly, I was looking around the team the other day and I know he's popular with United fans and I like him myself, Herrera. But you're just, I was just thinking to myself, if we want to be challenging for leagues and that again, is Herrera that top-level player you're going to have in midfield? You look at Kante, top-class defensive midfielder, Matic, top-class defensive midfielder, Pogba, De Bruyne... Ericsson, top-class attacking midfielders. Like, what's Herrera? He's, he's kind of good at everything. He's, 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 not, he, he's, he's not a kind of player that you're going to win leagues with. He's Joe Allen. Yeah, he's, not, he's, not, he's nothing special, basically. He's the kind of player fans like, but you're not going to win a league with him starting all the big games in centre midfield. Great squad player, maybe. But even looking at the back three then, you know, the two, the two teams matched each other up. And I think another one of United's problems is when they play that back three, you look at Chelsea, right? Okay, Gary Cahill isn't great on the ball, but Christensen, who was superb, I thought, right? He looks like a, a top young player. Himself and Azpilipeta can step out of there when they're playing a back three and they can whip passes into midfield. Not just the other day, in, in all the games, Azpilipeta does it. Five assists now to Morata. And look at you look at United, Chris Smalling and, and Phil Jones. Like They're not good footballers. They're good defenders, but they're not good footballers. 
And, and I just don't think that's... There's too many. Even Ashley Young, he's working his socks off there. But would any of them players I've mentioned get in Man City's team, in Spurs' team? May I don't know. Maybe Liverpool could do it. One of Small and Jones, just to shore things up. But you know my point. In general, none of them players are going to get in other top sides. So... They United have Newcastle and Brighton up next, so they should get six points on the board. But by the end of the game the other day, I looked at the at the league table and I thought to myself, "Oh fuck, we're in a battle for the top four now." And uh, yeah, that's kind of my feeling after it. I can't see you. City, I do think will have a bit of a wobble, but they're a much stronger team than they were last year. And uh, yeah, you'll always hold, hold on to that bit of hope until it's not there when you're a fan of your club. I think we're all the same, but um, realistically speaking, I think it's a, it's a fight for the top four now for United, and it's just down to to a lack of quality, I think. You know, even though they've spent God knows how much money over the last few years, you're still playing Ashley Young as a wing-back, so yeah, not, not a good weekend for me, lads. Uh, pretty good weekend for you, though, Danny. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I just, um, I just wanted to come in and just, uh, just something I was looking at, something I've been thinking about for a while. Oh, you've uh, been looking forward to this, I'd say. No, 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 no. I'm just, uh, I was actually just going to talk about a couple of strikers. Um, just going to talk about Lukaku and kind of Murata, both of them coming into the game on the back of six games without a goal. Obviously, Murata left the hero, but um, just, just want to talk about Lukaku. I think he's really missing Pogba. You know, for me, you know, they're lacking energy. It's like Matic, we've picked up Matic more than any other player on this podcast over the last three or four months. We all know how, how vital he is to United and he's very good at what he does. But he, he saunters around, he's kind of a, like a basketball player, he's just kind of sauntering around the pitch. United are missing serious, they're lacking energy, tempo, cutting edge, someone to beat someone in, in midfield to break the lines. I don't see Herrera doing the Fellaini, he's certainly not going to do it. Midfield, midfielders have, I, I, for me now, I think midfields have changed when you look at it. Remember, you used to kind of, used to have, you had to have an enforcer, which was Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira, Dietmar Hermann. One, you had to have a big, strong enforcer. And then you had, you know, if you're, let's say back in the 4-4-2 day, and then you had a ball player, someone that could pass it around and all that sort of stuff. For me, looking at football, it's changed a lot because the tackle has gone out of the game quite a bit. There's a lot small. There's there's players that are a lot smaller, and it's a lot more of kind of shuttle running, nicking the ball, trying to dispossess it, and not actually trying to win it back. In those, you remember the crunch and fifty-fifty tackles. That's not how the ball is won back mostly anymore. It's kind of nicked and small lads getting in under big lads and 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 tipping it that sort of stuff. And for me, United are just lacking. They're missing Pogba, I think, massively. Because they're yeah, missing I think, Danny, I think Maddich and Pogba really complement each other well. Yeah, yeah they if do. They, they do. If, if, if Maddich was out, Pogba would be missing Maddich as well. You yeah, know what I mean? 100%. 100%. So, he breaks the line between... You know the way managers are always talking about lines these days? And yeah. You're kind of going... Pogba can we, carry it forward into that. Yeah. It, yeah. He, if, he beats, if he beats one of... Let's say they're playing three in midfield as well. If he beats one or two of them... And that means he is now running at a back four or a back three, you know, where you've got a, a front three and you've wing backs now. And the whole pitch opens up, but it's all very congested in there if you don't have a player, if you have a lot of players that are passing it sideways. You need that burst, that little bit of skill, that little bit of trickery. And for me, I think Lukaku is really suffering uh, without him. But and Miklatarian, want... Danny, as well. Miklatarian is supposed to be the link between midfield. And he's he's just gone missing in all the big games. Yeah. Well, in every game over the last two months, that doesn't he's, help either. Like he's he, not getting it. He, he's not. He's, he's not getting nice any bonus. You know what I mean? He's nice when he's kind of outside the box for me and he's facing the goal and he can slip a ball where he's got a little bit of time. That little kind of slide drill ball in, into uh, a, a nice runner's position or something like that. But when it's in a congested area and all that sort of stuff, I don't see him beating a couple of players and, and dissecting a team with a pass. I see him dissecting a team with a pass when he's just, on, the, let's say, on the edge of the 18-yard box, maybe 25 yards out, and he's got runners. If he's got a Martial cutting in or Luke or uh, Rashford cutting in, he can see that pass. I don't see him having a 25-yard pass of the, same, of the same description. And Lukaku's missing him because Lukaku, for all, for all his traits, uh, he might be good at rolling centre-backs and holding the ball up and all that. Lukaku thrives on chances. And for me, he looks like he's... 
he might just be what I thought, maybe I thought he might be, which is one of these strikers that goes on these runs where they'll get 10 and 10. And you, you, you know the way, like, someone comes into the premiership, they score 10 and 10, and all of, all of a sudden they're linked with all the big move, and they don't get that big move, and they don't hear about them again. You know, like Amir Zaki, I think, for Wigan, as an example. Come in, score 10 yeah. goals. And then, I think then, Danny, he's, he's I, no, 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 I'm not saying, just let me finish. I, no, I swear to God, I'm not saying that. Uh, but you do hear of players like that. He's not a player like that. He, he will score goals. He'll continue to score goals. He'll score goals against Palace, West Brom, all those sorts of teams to beat the band. But I think he's a serious issue with confidence. And I'm not necessarily saying he suffers it from it just just himself. I think his manager hasn't helped him at all. And I'll go back to the Liverpool game. United were flying, out footballing other teams, and the manager reverted to type. And I don't care what anyone says. For me, that has a negative impact on the players. The players are scoring loads of goals. They're, they're feeling great. Okay, Danny, we've been over this a thousand times now at this stage. No, no I'm not saying... But confidence... You know, if if you look at the stats, when is he? When has his run started? When when has it all started to dry up? It's coincided, I know, with Pogba being out, but it's also coincided with a manager having to change United's philosophies. And as quickly as it's happened, you know, it's one of the ra- main reasons for me that that Lukaku is struggling at the moment. That's what I think. I think Lukaku does have limitations in his game. Definitely things he he needs to improve. But he's still only twenty four as well. Murata looked a much better all-round player the other day. There, there's absolutely no no doubt about that. I thought he was superb, and you know we were questioning at, at the start of the season he'd never really been a regular, and you know would he be able to do it in the Premier League? And I, I think he's he, he's well and, and truly shown that that he can, you know. Um, but he was coming into the game though on the same run. He was coming into the game on the same barren spell. He hadn't scored in six goals. Yeah, I'm he, not he giving Lukaku. I'm not giving Lu- balls into him I know. Spell, is- But I'm I'm not I'm not giving Lukaku. I'm actually not giving Lukaku shit. I no, just no, I, know you're not. I just don't. If you don't play to his strengths, you know the whole team has slowed down. United were playing with a lot more purpose. They were hitting the ball. They were passing the ball. There's a lot more zip in the passes. It's all conspired to. Lukaku not getting the Lukaku was getting some easy chances at the start of the season, which is what you want as a football team. You want to create the easiest opportunity for your best finisher. For me, that's I know that seems very simple, but they were doing it. He was scoring some easy goals, tap ins, one on one with the keeper. He's not getting in those positions. The only chance he had the other day was where he rolled. I don't know if it was Christensen or KL or one of them. He rolled yeah, and he got a shadow from the edge of the box. That was it. And I feel sorry for because. He's not the sort of striker that's going to be involved in the game unless there's chances teed up for him. He's not going to be yeah. involved in the game. He might hold up. And he's getting it in the neck from United fans. And I think it's unfair on him because I think it's, it's, the, it's the players unfair, around Danny. Yeah, I think it's the players around him are not giving him the ammunition. Because give him a chance, he'll score. That's his job. He's good at holding it up. He's good at other things. But he's not going to be making these channel runs and all that sort of stuff that fans want to see. He looks like a big lumbering lad that looks lazy. It's just his style. But it, it was working at the start of the season and he was only new to the team. So I think United, it's the rest of the team that need actually need to get. That's what it, That was my point. So yeah, the rest he, he of the might, team need, need, he might, might need a bit of a rest as well, Danny, because he's coming. Well, how far, like, well, how far is Ibrahimovic away? Yeah, he's back the end, the start of December. Just to take, because right. he, he's come from Everton, probably not even really yeah. playing European football to playing every game for United. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Except the Carabao he could, Cup. He could, he could do I, it a break. Listen, I, I think United signed Lukaku to be a 25, 30 goal a season striker. And I'd be amazed if he doesn't score over 20 goals by the end of the season. I really think you, he will. But I, just before we, we, like, we close out on that game, I, I there's just one thing I noticed the other day, and I think he's gone down... People kind of forget about him. He doesn't get enough credit at times. But Cesc Fabregas, I thought, was absolutely superb. And you look at the difference in quality that each striker was being fed. Cesc Fabregas was just whipping the ball into Hazard and Murata all day. And um, I know people say he can't play in a midfield two or whatever. But he's he's over, he's 106 or 107 Premier League assists now, Fabregas. It's second, the second to gigs. Mo- yeah. Second to gigs. And when you consider he didn't play in, in the league for, for, what, three or four seasons? You know, I think, I just, on the back, I think Fabregas should almost go down as a Premier League great. He's still only 30. Definitely. You know I mean? He's actually, you know, when they talk about players running the show or running a game, 
him and David Silva, people like that, they can run a game. They like Pirlo's. For me, he's not kind of the same sort of player as Pirlo, but he can slow it up. He's not the quickest player in the world, but he can just play it at his own pace and he can just pick passes. He's well, he's a beautiful passer to ball. Okay, let's move on to Spurs then. They uh, managed to get the win against Palace in the end, but it was far from straightforward, Carl. And uh, what about Kane? He didn't look quite fit. Then he took the knock. And Lorente, when he came on, didn't really seem like the replacement he was probably brought in to be. No, I think I said to you guys when we signed Lorente that I wasn't impressed with that signing. And um, nothing I've seen from him so far in any of his cameos or games that he's played have, have led me to think any different, you know. Um, I don't think he was a striker we were looking for as backup. I don't think he's got the ability. Um, too similar to Kane, no pace. Um, we've led to believe he's good in the air, but I don't actually see him doing much in the air where you kind of believe he's, you know, leading teams astray. Um, and same performance when you look at it from Tottenham, just in the fact that it struggled to get the win. No real creativity. I mean, you put um, Ericsson there in quality midfielders but um, Ericsson looks to have gone back to what he was a little while ago where it's one game good and then the next couple he doesn't seem to turn up and run the midfield um, and again to me evidence of that is when you look at players like De Bruyne, Silver and everything they do is done with purpose and that I don't see that from Ericsson. Um, I actually now would start sticking Winks in over Ericsson going forward because I think Winks is a bit more creative and seems to have that belief. Um, but they got the three points. Uh, job done. Keeps us in contact with United. Um, yeah, but and with the injuries, you know, that we picked up in the midweek when we spanked the best team in Europe, then, yeah, it was always going to be a come down after the Madrid game, to be fair. Um, you know, the Spursy thing would have been to lose that game. And if it hadn't been for a great debut from Gazina, the goalkeeper, we possibly, you know, very well easily had lost that game. Um, but they got the job done, but they'll need to up their game. But this is where you see Spurs' squad just still isn't capable for me to achieve what, you know, potentially we hope they could because, yeah, when those players are, um, when when our key players are out, we don't have the ability to step in. And I'm afraid the more and more I keep seeing Sissoko's name on the team sheet, the more and more I want to shoot myself because I, I honestly, I've said it before and I say it again, I don't understand how the bloke is a professional footballer. Wills, you'd make a good West Ham fan, mate. You're, you sound more depressed than me. No, I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. Believe me, as I say, it, everything was going to be a come down after Wednesday. The job was done the way it needed to be. Three points, you know, and as I say, it was a good weekend for us, a good week. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too down, but, I, you know, then that performance echoes every home game so far against a weaker, a weaker side. And we really do show our, our limitations, I think, in options that we've got and attacking options um and and it'll come back to haunt us at some point so they you know january can come around as quick as possible for me and we can bring in a little bit more quality and maybe ship a few of those weaker players out unfortunately i think Suzoko's here to stay which is a shame but there you go but no job done well done boys and they gave me one of my best nights so far in my whole life in spurs when they beat madrid so yeah can't moan too much we were brilliant against Madrid. There's considering we didn't have the ball, but we were dominating that game. Madrid never looked that dangerous. Ronaldo is class as much as he's a little, as much as he's a little bitch when he loses. But the guy is class. But yeah, they didn't have a sniff, did they? Benzema, shit. What is Benzema? Nothing. Useless. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's us, isn't it? You know, when it when it really matters, unlike these Caribou Cups and stuff like that. When the real competitions come around, we, uh, oh, we here we go. In. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You're in the group stage. You've just you're out of the group stages. Now the real games start being played when you get knocked out quickly, especially with your boys getting injured and stuff like that. Spurs season ended after that Madrid game. Our season uh, ended I, up, uh, after the Spurs game, but I'll take that. I'm still dying on that. Your, uh, go can on. I answer you a question from the start of the pod, which is how many points do I think West Ham get? I still reckon they'll finish the season with less than we got in our Champions League group. Um, <laughs> no, but it, Carl, in all seriousness, I, I think what you said there is kind of Spurs 
the way Spurs are at the moment. You said that they haven't had much of the ball. All their best performances this season, I think they've had less than 40% possession. And and I think sometimes, like, Liverpool, like, Liverpool get a lot of stick because Klopp, it seems to me that it's died down a bit now, but, like, the big buzz around Klopp for a long time was plan B. It was always, he's no plan B, he's no plan B. I was watching that game, and now I think, in fairness, Hodgson did have Palace organised very well, and they did defend well. But it's not for the first time. Like you said, Spurs really do seem to struggle when teams sit deep against them. And they don't. They definitely need to sign somebody in January to give them something a bit different when teams are doing that because it becomes very predictable, I think, when I watch them anyway. If you gave me my ideal January now, my ideal January would be Mares, who I think is very gettable because he has got that something different. You're quite right, Pete. The trouble Spurs have is... When we haven't got the ball, we can break and we can break well and we can we can take teams apart, as we've seen. The problem is when we've got the ball, we're not that creative a side when we're allowed to have the ball and forced to break teams down. We don't have that dynamic movement. I'll say, you know, I'll say it again. When you watch City, everything is done with a purpose and when they knock it, their players are running off into space dragging teams and players apart and someone else is darting in a gap that's been created. Spurs don't have players who do that. But if you, as you say, if you come and attack us and we can break, then we, we, we do well there. But when we have to force a game, we really struggle when we have to force a game. So to me, perfect January would be Mares. You know, I'd even look at someone like Vardy for his pace. You know, I still, I still regret not getting Defoe. I know he hasn't had a great year with Bournemouth, but I think his movement and quick movement in and around the box would have been perfect. It's certainly, Lorente certainly isn't going to add anything to us this year, unfortunately. Not not the sort of way where when Kane potentially needs a rest or is out, you think, well, well, at least we can stick this guy on and he'll, he'll cause them problems. Defoe came on against us at Wembley uh, for about 10 minutes near the end. And those 10 minutes, he probably had about two or three really good chances with quick movement in and around the box. And he really could have done a great job for us this year. But it's not too depressing. We're not West Ham, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, still uh, plenty to come on the show, but uh, we'll go to a break in just a minute. First, though, it's time for the quiz. And Danny, you were a winner last week. So with the new rule in place, who are you going to pick to go up against in the first round? Uh, by default, I'd say. But uh, yeah, I'll take, on, um, I'll take on Peter. Fuck it, why not? All right, Peter, you get a chance for revenge. Remember, the rules are you say your name if you have the answer, and then I'll go to you, okay? So, uh, second round of the FA Cup this week, so I've gone with a couple of FA Cup questions. Uh, last, who was the last non-top flight team to win the FA Cup? Danny. Danny? I don't know. Oh, I it's it's a... Peter. 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 Yeah. Wimbledon. Nope. Uh, Wimbledon won at 98 there in the Premier League or the top yeah, division. Um, Peter. Peter. Brighton and Hove Albion. Nope. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's recent, is it? I think it's recent no, enough. It's not recent. Might have to call Carl in on this one. No, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. I wouldn't call in Carl. West Ham. Peter, 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 Danny West Ham. Peter, 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 Peter. West Ham. It was West Ham, 1980. Beat Arsenal. Thirty minute. Trevor Brook in against the Arsenal. There you go. Right then, question two. We've got Carl and we've got Scott. So, I think you're going to have to be quick with this one. Speaking of Arsenal, how many FA Cups have Arsenal won? Carl. Carl. Twelve. No. Scott. Scott. Uh, hey. It is 13. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not fair, though. Scott's a fucking West, uh, an Arsenal fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Which team was the first team from outside the top flight to reach the FA Cup final since the Premier League was formed? Peter. Peter. Millwall. It was Millwall. Well done, Peter. Yes. Points in the bag. Right, that was really focused on you tonight, Arsenal and Millwall, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm West Ham. 
Uh, right, that's it. We'll be back after the break. Very quickly, I just want to take the chance to tell you how to get in touch with the show and get loads more great Premier League content. There are new articles going up every day on our website, psfootball.net. You'll find links to some of the articles mentioned in the show in the info section of this pod. And if you sign up to our newsletter through our homepage, you'll get all the latest news, videos and betting tips. We're on Twitter at underscore PS underscore football, on Instagram at PS football, that's football with a U. We're on Facebook, and if you want to make sure you never miss an episode of the pod, follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. And we're back. Let's talk about uh, City then, because they ran out comfortable winners, and uh, you know they didn't have to be as convincing as they were in previous weeks, but they still look great. Are they now basically, uh, should we just call it over, and now it's just a battle for the rest of the top four? Carl Scott, who, who wants to take that? I've, I've got an opinion. I want Carl to go first in this one. Go on then, Carl. I don't actually think it's going to be a case of if we crown them just after the start of January or something, you know, that quickly. I think I think they'll have a little blip at some point, but we're only talking... Yeah, trouble is, we're only talking a couple of games, I think, the way it's looking. So if everyone starts falling too far behind, then, yeah, they'll just breeze away. But I see they'll have some difficult games, you know. I see a few people, you know, getting something off of them. But, yeah, they are just great to watch, aren't they? You know, the, the, everything they do is working. They look, they just look deadly no matter who they're playing. You know, the way they break, the speed at which they break and the way they just do everything and everything is with a purpose it comes off. You knew he was going to pass to that bloke. It's the perfect pass into his feet, into his run. The guy doesn't have to break his stride. He can just run onto a ball. They are just playing some awesome football. But you get the impression, you know, the Premier League is such a tough league. I see there they will have a little sticky patch. Um, but I think it will only be potentially maybe, you know, two or three games and then they'll be back on it again. So... Yeah, this year's looking pretty ominous, isn't it? We all look like you're playing for second, third and fourth at the moment. But well, did, not, did anybody know. else not think watching that game, though, that uh, even in the first half, Arsenal had so many chances where they were just a pass away from being in behind them. And they just kept either picking the wrong pass or just the pass just wasn't any, was just a terrible pass. Um, I thought there was a lot of gaps there, even in the second half when Arsenal... I, 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 do, I agree with you, Pete. I, I think there's there where one team at some point will have a day where you know they get through and they, they take their chances. So, yeah, that's, that's why I think they'll have a little slip. But whether it's enough to stop them winning the league this year, I, I don't know. More or less agree with everything Carl says. The only difference is, I think, they're definitely going to lose a couple of games. For me, that... That's on the cards at some point. Um, they're they're a great team. You, you'd probably look at them and say at this point they're definitely going to be league champions. It's just the way they're playing. It's the confidence and the swagger. But if any complacency gets in, you can see um, a few dodgy results. Again, just as Carl said, that the wheels could fall off for a little while. Um, it's how they will mentally bounce back from a few dodgy results. I mean, if you think about it, the worst result they've had all season was a draw against Everton of all clubs. But by and large, they look the business. But um, they'll slip up. They'll probably slip up, I think, against a lesser um, uh, perceived big club. Uh, I mean, there was 3-2 the other week against West Brom. Uh, teams like Stoke, where they're expected to roll them over, or uh, Brighton and Bournemouth, etc. That's where I think they'll lose a game or two. Uh, and that's where you'll see how resilient they are as a team. See, I don't. See, I don't see any of them smaller teams getting them this year. To me, it'll be something like Liverpool away, They'll be the teams where I think someone has a chance to pick them off. They're gonna they're gonna destroy those smaller teams like Bournemouth and that this year. Stoke, no no fucking chance will Stoke get anything off a city. In fairness, Wills they didn't destroy Bournemouth uh, away. Yeah, Uh, they they got a last minute goal. Yeah, I think that was Bournemouth were very good against last week. Yeah, and he, he was right. I was watching that game. I think they they won the first one to Brighton, weren't great. Then they they drew with Everton, and then it was the early game on the Saturday, and Bournemouth gave them a real game. Like City were like had a lot of possession, but they weren't cutting them open. Bournemouth had, had some 90, big chances. Yeah, and Josh King hit the bar, I think. And yeah. That 96 minutes, Bournemouth should have had a free kick further up the pitch, I think, as well. 
96, 97 minutes. And that I was even at that stage, I knew how good City squad were, and I was raging. I was going, that two points even could come in, in could end up being important. And since that was then, when United were great, though. Yeah, they seem to have gone to a different level. No, but I, you know what I mean? You always yeah. knew that every point City would drop would be important. And, and ever since that game, they seem to have, have moved on to a, to a different level almost. I, don't, I thought they were less impressive uh, on Sunday than they were in any other games I've seen recently. I don't know if they were... They, was, they weren't as... In, the intensity wasn't quite there like the other games. But they had played a, a tough game in Napoli during the week. And, you know, maybe they were just kind of going, oh, well, it's only Arsenal. We don't have to push ourselves too much here. They'll, they'll leave some kind of, they'll leave the door open for us to get in. But um, I, I do, I think they'll be league champions, but I do think they'll hit a sticky patch. It only takes one bad result or an injury to De Bruyne or Silva, and um, they're in trouble because De Bruyne gets all the plaudits, and rightly so. But I thought Silva was the main man on, uh, on Sunday. He, you know, we were talking about Miklatari and a link between a, a, a ta- or midfield and attack. He's the perfect player at that. He kind of going under the radar a little bit because De Bruyne has been so good this season. But uh, David Silva, another one, he, he could. I know Aguero broke the record the other day, but Silva could go down as one of City's best ever players. Like everything he's done since he went to the club, he's top class. Well, he's unreal. He's a, cr- a cracking player. Like how often would you see him lose the ball? You know what I mean? It's very, very rare. But how many points? If if everyone thinks City are going to win the league, though, like points, I I think about eight. I think they'll win it by eight or nine. But they'll have probably taken their foot off the gas a little bit. They won't be breaking Chelsea's record. I think that's going to stay intact for a while. That was an awesome team that Chelsea had. For for me, you boys won't. But I I can't dislike Man City. There's nothing to dislike about them. They're, they're I don't mind. Towards. I don't mind Man City at all. No. They're yeah, when a team play, when it's teams playing that well and playing that that quality of football, you can't you can't you can't begrudge them. You know what I mean? But you're still looking for chinks in their armor when you're kind of hopeful they'll drop a few points. There are there mean? are there are chinks in their armor. You know what I mean? They've been exposed, but they're only going to play three or four teams that might be able to expose them on a, yeah. over the course. So that's seven or eight games. You know what I mean? And. They've come out of all those. Even like Arsenal can expose anyone. Liverpool exposed them. You were right, Peter, there that Arsenal were a pass away from being in really good positions. And that pass, sometimes it doesn't go down as a shot or a chance created or anything like that. But sometimes it's better than than a half-decent chance being in that sort of position. And they just picked the wrong pass, as Arsenal. But they could definitely be got at. But um, they've just too much up top, I think, for anyone. They really do. When I was watching it the other day, I was thinking maybe the reason it was happening with Arsenal was um, they, I said their intensity dropped off a little bit from other games, but still the speed they do everything at. And it's not just on the ball, it's the speed that they press you. Um, they press press the opposition at, at as well. It, sometimes when you're playing against a team like that, it's going a million miles an hour uh, around you. Even the players like Ozil and Sanchez that you would have expected to be able to pick them passes. You're just a bit rushed when you do get the ball then, you know what I mean? Because you've been flying around like a lunatic and then it's the time to kind of be calm and play play a, play a, play a simple pass into, to a teammate in a better position. But because you're so worked out, up from chasing shadows from the last five minutes, you kind of lose your composure a bit, you know? Well, at least they're lucky that their manager doesn't bottle it when they go away from home or play big, you know, sides the same as them, and he he still has an attacking game and doesn't <laughs> yeah, bottle it. It's called having confidence in what you believe in. Mm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. But I was just, I was, you know, that's interesting. Mourinho's the the one to jump on. I get all that. It's the nicest way someone's ever told me to go fuck myself. And Serie A and the Chelsea team were probably the best team ever in the Premier League. Um. Well, one of them anyway. I'm going completely overboard there. That's bullshit. That's but, um, interesting, Peter. Yeah, no, but Spurs um, Spurs have only won one of 16 games away to the top six under Pochettino. So he actually has a worse record than Mourinho. But uh, the media don't hate Pochettino, so they don't bring that up. No, because they've got, a, they've, got a, they've got a plus 20 uh, net spend in the last seven years and United have stepped 600 million or something like that. So ah, yeah, no, it, it's, no, a lot, it's a lot easier to hate Man I'm United. Not, if you're going to highlight it about Mourinho, you might as well highlight it about other members of the top six, as I'm saying. Let's move on to another top manager, and that's Tony Pulis. Actually, he's not doing so well this year. And after all the talk at the start of the season about how 
West Brom would probably race to 40 points. Peter, actually, it's not going so well for the, the man with the magic hat. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Do the players think they're already on the 40 points? Because they've downed tools already. It's 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 not good for for um, for the man with the magic hat. Uh, going, but obviously, last season, after 40 points, they downed tools. So it's now two wins in 20 games for, for Tone. And um, he's coming under increasing pressure now. The fans are starting to turn. And uh, Chelsea up next. That's that's not going to be easy. Chelsea at the Hawthorne, so he's in bad need of picking up points. They're leaking goals as well, which is the last thing you'd think a Tony Pulis team would be doing. And I hate to say, well, he's never ever been relegated, so they definitely won't be relegated. But he could, be, he his head his head could be on the on the line fairly soon, and. Uh, it just upsets, upsets me greatly. I've always thought that maybe when Mourinho left United, Pulis might take over and uh, <laughs> we'd win the Champions League. We'd win the Champions League, beat Real Madrid 3-0 in the final, three near-post corners. Um, but it's just not looking good for the Magic Man at the moment. Uh, right, let's move on. And uh, I want to talk about own goals because we were denied one of the great Premier League own goals this weekend when Phil Jones's uh, cracking effort was chalked off on Sunday. Um, so I want to talk about some of our favourite Premier League own goals. Who wants to start us off on this one? Uh, should we go with uh, Carl? Uh, for me, one of the great ones was Lee Dixon's header against Ipswich. Is it? Yeah, Portman Road. Uh, you know, ball coming out the air and he thought he'd be clever and head it back to big old Dave behind him. But big old Dave was a little bit closer than he thought and the header went sailing over his head and in. That one always uh, a beauty. Well done, Mr. Dixon. That's a pretty good one. It's not his only one either. He scored another cracking lob as well, didn't he, one time when he kind of just knocked it back to him without looking and it sailed over his head as well. I mean, you've you got to love it. You've you got to take that it. risk with seamen and goals, I guess. What about you, Scott? Peter Enkelman, um, he had the throw in from Olaf Milberg, and he, he didn't went to touch ground. it though, did he? No, he went to trap it, and it just went past him, bobbled in. And the, the worst point about that—that that was in a, a Birmingham derby. So that's not only humiliating for the player, for the supporters of Aston Villa, that were that you might as well have walked up to every Villa fan uh, in the stand that night and punched them all in the face. It's always bad to lose to a rival. It's even worse when it comes to the stupidity of your own player. But it, that was hilarious. I love watching that clip. There was one, um, I remember Gareth Bale, they were playing, uh, playing Liverpool, and um, he's on his own. Um, someone's on their own. That's someone, let's, say, let's call him Ledley King. He's clearing the ball off the line, and um, Gareth Bale's looking at the line about three yards out and just takes the head clean off and just goes in. I think that was a question there the other day who scored a known goal, scored a goal and had an assist, but it was that game there. So he made he made amends for it. I think they were already 2-0 up. But yeah, one of the lads taking the head off him and uh, going into the goal. But uh, it wasn't enough. But uh, yeah, Gareth Bale, he's a cunt. <laughs> we're not at that point yet, but okay, fair enough. I <laughs> <laughs> You know what to see. Yeah. You know what to see. All right, Peter, what about you? Um, I'm going to go with Vinnie Company against Fulham. Uh, for me, one of the greatest OGs I've ever seen. Uh, Cross coming in and he went to clear it with his left foot um, on the edge of his own six-yard box. There's no one around him. And it's just spun up off his boot and up into the air and down in or into the, the top corner on, on the other side of the goal. Um, I think out of all the other own goals... If we all went out onto onto the pitch with a bag of balls, uh, you could recreate them all. I don't think you could ever attempt to do what Vinny De- Company did. I don't think you'd ever do it. It was just the, the most freakiest connection ever. The ball just spun up back over his head and uh, into the roof of the net. Comedy gold. Absolutely. And speaking of comedy gold, I think it's time we did quotes. Now, we haven't done this one in a while. And uh, this man has got some absolute crackers. He might be the most boring man in football, but God, he talks some shite. It's Michael Owen. And I think we're doing the accents this week as well. Peter, spoiler there. Do you want to crack on with the first one? Yeah, I, I really, I don't even know how to start with my Michael Owen accent. So I, I'm just go, I'm just going to read out um, something he might have said because it's just not going to happen. I'm just going to sound like, I'll just do it in my normal accent then. If there's a bit of rain a bite... It makes the surface wet. Thanks, Michael. 
that, cheers for them uh, words of wisdom. Hang on, that was your normal accent. Well, you know, every time I do an accent, it turns into Northern Ireland, so I just went with it. Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough, right. <laughs> good. Uh, very good. Right, uh, Carl, what have you got? Uh, you got to love a bit of Michael for his obviousness when one of my favourite ones is when he says that uh, Blackburn have got two forwards on and they're both playing up front. No nope. shit, Michael, no shit. <laughs> Not bad at all. Scott, what have you got? Hang on, I'm going to try my Michael Owen accent here. He just sort of... Uh, put your fingers over your nose so you sound really nasally so uh, here we go that would have been a goal had it gone inside the post that's a good Michael, that's a good Michael Owen yeah, good that's, yeah. I mean listen you can't you, you can't argue with the man though to be fair <laughs> <you know? Yeah. laughs> exactly that's what I was getting at uh, Danny what about you um, Michael Owen's accent um I don't have it. I don't have it. It's Danny played with you for how many years? You should be able to. You should be able to do impressions of all of them. He he didn't have. He didn't have a Liverpool accent. He was from Chester. He was never really Liverpool. You know what I mean? He's a a Welshman, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, Uh, it's it's definitely uh, it. The foul was and it's gone in, uh, but it's not a ball for me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Michael Owen's a cockney. <laughs> Wait, uh, cockney's the only one I can fucking do. Listen okay. to you all the time. Can you do the Scott? You're you're obviously the best at the accents. We might just phone you in for the accent thing from now on. But uh, can you read the Anichibi one out? Here we go. Anichibi is just pulling off Jones, which is what I would do if I was him. <laughs> Well, you know, same. You just can't argue with the man. Uh, right, let's <laughs> move on then. And finally, uh, we go to the JT Prick of the Week. Peter, who have you got? Um, I'm going with Jesse Lingard. Uh, I don't know if anyone else saw the, the clip. You can get it up on the internet if you, if you haven't. But um, when Chelsea were breaking forward in the dying stages of the game on Sunday, William went by him, close enough to the halfway line. And William went breaking forward. So... So uh, Lingard turned turned around to go sprinting back, and the referee passed him out. And the referee made it to the box before Lingard did. So Jesse, if you can't run faster than a referee, pal, you're a prick. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Carl, who have you got? I'm going to feel West Ham fans' pain this week, and my prick of the week goes to Andy Carroll. And it's always been a bugbear in mind when you got players saying like, "Oh, supporters shouldn't." Be leaving they should back the team uh, well you need to give the fucking supporters something to back if you want them to you know be on your side and when you're fucking clearly giving up and not fighting then the last thing you should be doing is criticizing any supporter who's paid good earned hard money um to walk out because like i say you overpaid prima donnas need to learn a little bit of reality so prick of the week for andy carroll you're a massive prick yeah, agree with that, I have to say. Scott, is he yours as well? Although I think you've got a few people to choose from. Oh, I've got a hat for, but I'm picking Carl for stealing my thunder, you prick. <laughs> um, it, it, it was definitely Andy Carroll. How can you give the supporters in the stands grief when you spend most of, you spent most of your West Ham career uh, sitting in a waiting room waiting to be seen for your next injury or you're down a pub getting pissed on your 90 grand a week and you've got the goal to have a puff at West Ham fans who played their hard-earned money to travel home and away in mass numbers about their loyalty. I, I just hope someone gives him a clump one day just to wake him up a bit. So, Andy Carroll, you are my prick of the week. Yeah, agree with that. Uh, well, I've got one myself this week, which is the Mind Goalkeeper. I don't know if you've seen this one, lads, but it's a, it's a brilliant video. You should check it out again on, uh, on YouTube if you can find it. Basically, the ball's played back to him. He puts his foot out to stop it and then looks up, and he's looking up ahead of him, seeing what's going on. But as he looks up, the ball keeps rolling, and it rolls back past him. And he's got the, the penalty spots just in front of him. So he, just out of his peripheral vision, he can see that there's a white thing at his foot, but it's not the football anymore. So he just takes this big fucking air kick at nothing. And he gets away with it just about. He manages to run back and collect the ball before the striker comes in. But keep your eye on the ball, mate. You're a fucking prick. <laughs> uh, any more for any more? Are we all done? 
Well done. No, all good, all good. All good, yeah. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you want to check out some of the articles that we have, like the uh, the own goals and the quotes and all those kind of things, you'll be able to find those down in the info down here. And just check out our website, psfootball.net, uh, for lots of other great football content. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore ps underscore football. We're on Instagram at PS Football, that's football with a U, and you can send us an email as well to info at psfootball.net. So all that's left to do is to say goodbye and thanks to uh, thanks Peter. Cheers. Chat, chat to you next week, lads. Thanks, Carl. Cheers, guys. See you next week. Thanks, Scott. Good day to you all. See you, Danny. See you, lads. Cheers. Good and luck. goodbye from me. See you next time.